Welcome to the Untitled Film Project Podcast. Jeremy Gover, Justin Bradford, and myself, Jim Chandler. We have a special guest today. If you love the art of filmmaking, you'll absolutely love her. It's Austin Olivia Kendrick. She is an ADR dialogue engineer in movies and animation, and she is an absolute delight to follow. Austin, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, for those who don't know about what you do, if you could explain a little bit about what your job is and what a typical day might be like for you. Absolutely. Um, so I am a post-production sound editor for film and TV. Uh, specifically, I work in the area of cutting dialogue and ADR, um, which basically has to do with, you know, everyone's, uh, the actor's performances. Um, it's my job to take all of the actor, all of the recorded sound from set, all of the actor's lines and that are all pasted together from these disparate takes and, you know, different setups and stitch them together and clean them up to make it all sound very smooth and seamless, um, which is a very tedious job. Um, it is a, a somewhat thankless job, um, but um, it's... I love it. My, I'm, I'm such a perfectionist and I love getting to zoom in on all those little details. And there's something so satisfying about listening through listening through a scene for the first time with absolutely not, having not touched it and hearing all those little things that I need to fix. And then once I've gone in and dug my fingers in and gotten everything smoothed out, going back and listening to it and hearing it all back, all nice and smooth and clean. Oh, it, it scratches something deep in my brain. It's so satisfying. Um, it, 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 yeah, it is tedious work. I only get through about, um, I work, work about nine and a half hour days, not including lunch. And, um, I will get through anywhere from six to 10 minutes of footage a day. Wow. That's a long process, mm -hmm. but Absolutely. like Homeland security, if you've done your job well, nobody notices anything right that's i know I, I mentioned that it's a very thankless job but it, it kind of has to be you know if somebody is saying something about the dialogue it's usually like oh something was off if they notice you need to refine some stuff you know right right yeah are you won't your own worst critic Oh, 100%. I can't listen back to any of the work that I do. I'm, I'm such, such a perfectionist. It's, it's really terrible. <laughs> you can, can you go to the movie and see it in a theater if you've, if you've worked on it? Uh, I have a very hard time doing so. On one hand, I really do enjoy because, you know, working on just dialogue, I'm so isolated in just one area of the soundscape, you know, and I'm so zoomed in. And so I really do love going back and listening to the finished product so I can hear all of the works that my colleagues have done, you know, hearing all of the ambiences and sound effects and the Foley and the sound design and hearing the, the way the mixers have brought it all together. I love getting to hear that final product, but there's always a part of my brain that's like, you could have, you could have approached that line differently or like, Why'd you go with that mic feed? And it's like, oh my gosh, my, I'm my own worst enemy. So, <laughs> what can uh, you do? is it a, is it a is it a situation where you are choosing which take to use, or when you say ten minutes of dialogue, are you doing like, okay, 
this actor did 17 takes of this, so I'm going to give them all 17 takes, barring any kind of ridiculous like stoppages, of course. But are you giving them full 17 takes and then letting the director choose? Or is it like, how does that component work? Well, I suppose it depends because it it differs wildly in terms of I've worked both in animation for dialogue and I've worked live action productions. And so there's dialogue is approached very differently in those two workflows. Um, with animation, dialogue and the actors coming in to record their lines is actually the very first thing that happens in production because the animators need to be able to animate around the actors' performances. So when we're in that position as a dialogue editor, we basically kind of get all of the takes from the recordings and the usually the showrunner or the vocal director um, are sitting are sitting in on that recording session and they will circle what takes they want to hear um, and we will pull those for them to listen to for approval um, but we actually get a little bit more input than we usually would with live action because sometimes they'll the showrunner might defer to you and be like what do you think? What take do you think works best? You know? So that's like the one area where we might get a little bit of like, okay, I like this take better than this one. Um, because in, in live action, it is, we get really no say over what dialogue we get handed, uh, because we are at the very end. We have to wait until the episode or the movie has been edited together. It, the picture has to be locked theoretically. Um, and so, at that point, it is whatever the director and editor have chosen. We have to make work. Um, there are a few different methods to making that work. Um, and uh, you just kind of got to roll with the punches as best you can, you know? So it comes, that, so it comes to case. you at the end of the process as opposed to, like, you don't get, like, raw audio. You get the f final cut, so to speak, and then you work on that is what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes yeah, more I sense. Yeah, I got the final I got the final cut of picture that has all of the raw audio underneath it and then it's up to me to sift through that raw audio, figure out what mic feeds to use. Um it, both for like what mic feed is good for this line, but also looking across this entire scene, what mic feed is most consistent, how can cuz you will be able to hear a change in mic feed, especially if it's like from one shot to the next, if someone is talking, you change mic feeds, you'll be able to hear it. So it's it's a delicate balance of what's best in this moment, but also what's best for this entire sequence. Um, it's, it's basically like I'm given a giant jigsaw puzzle. I know that there's a way these pieces fit together. I just have to find a way to get them to make the final picture. So when it comes to editing these things, you've worked on different things from animation like Monster High, Rugrats, to live action like Star Trek Discovery, and, and other projects as well. What are the differences between working and what you do between animated and live action? Because obviously there's, there's so many differences between those types of films. Mm -hmm. Well, like I, I mentioned in the previous one, the the kind of place where dialogue editing comes in is totally flipped from live action to animation. With animation, we're kind of the first thing that happens, and in live action, we come in at the very end. Um, with animation, though, you know, obviously we're there at the beginning with, you know, getting the, the actors' performances in first, making sure that the showrunners are happy with it. And we kind of stitch together before anything is animated, almost like a radio play of all of the lines that they have, all the takes they have chosen. And that gets sent off to animation. And then we don't 
see it for like a year you know it gets returned to us a year later with the final animation and then we kind of go through the same process that we would with live action which is okay everything's in place you know um let's go through let's clean everything let's make sure there's no clicks no pops no you know anything like that um we'll we'll get adr in where we need to you know get it all fit um i feel like the kind of biggest difference in terms of live action and animation at that back end kind of point where we're kind of cleaning and fitting everything together is with with animation you know we have kind of ideal recordings like situations we have actors in in controlled vocal booths you know so we don't have to worry much about you know outside sounds or you know cars passing by or you know the sound of people's crew members footsteps you know or practical effects all these things that we really have to live in live action work around and work with um with live action, whenever we have those, all that room tone and all that movement, you know, it's a careful balance of stitching those things together with the lines to make them all sound really smooth and seamless. Where with animation, it's like, I, I really don't worry, have, have to worry about stitching much together <laughs> at all. I just have to make sure it sounds clean, you know? So it's, it's, I'm, I'm really grateful that I've had the experience with both you know, um, animation and live action. It's kind of stretched me as a, as a dialogue editor and, um, just as a creative in general, you know? Um, and, uh, I really earnestly love both. <laughs> so you've heard so many different voices just in what you've been working on, whether mm -hmm. it's voiceover with animation or live action. Are there any actors that stand out to you where you're like, I just really enjoy hearing this person's voice so much. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's too many to count. Especially, especially having worked, because I spent a year and a half at Nickelodeon Animation, and they have such insane vocal talent that come in for those shows. Like, the, the actors that I, you know, grew up listening to, you know, voicing, you know, so many characters that I loved when I was a kid. Um, one that I will always kind of bound down to is um, Kath Susie, who is a voice actor on Rugrats. And she's been on Rugrats since the original run of the show. She voices, and I did not know this until I worked on it, and I'm willing to admit that out loud, as, as embarrassing as it is, <laughs> I did not realize she voiced both Phil and Lil until I was working on the show. But her recordings were always astounding because she was able to flip between Phil and Lil in the space of like a single breath. Sometimes to the point where it would be difficult for me to find spots to cut <laughs> in between the lines. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> It was just astounding, absolutely. Her performance for both of them and the speed at which she was able to switch between the performances just blew my mind constantly. It's It's been incredible to see, especially with TikTok, to see all these voiceover actors and all the different voices that they do and how talented and supremely talented they are in creating their own characters with one person. So that's it's incredible, and I'm sure you just get to hear so much of that, which is great. Yeah, well, I especially get to hear a lot of it because my fiance is a voice actor. Oh. Um, <laughs> which I've heard him. He's funny. got a great started... voice. Hey, he does. He really, really does. But, you know, it's it's really funny because, you know, even outside of work, I'm so, you know, surrounded. He, he has so many different, like you were saying, all of these different voices and characters that he can just come up on with on the fly, you know, and especially having worked so much with so many voice actors like i appreciate the amount of not only talent but work that goes towards getting to that level you know so um 
And it's also, he, he finds it convenient that whenever there's like a really important audition, he's like, can you please just take a look at this and like give it a quick clean real quick? I'm like, yeah. yeah. That's that's a yeah, power couple. That is totally power couple right there. Perks. <laughs> Absolutely. Perks for the win. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of voices, uh, just the other night I was watching the movie Living uh, with Bill Nye, not the science guy, the actor. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was it was a brilliant movie and his performance was incredible uh, but he had this amazing ability to convey so much as an actor but he had such parameters around him uh, he's playing a dying man a very elderly man and he's playing it in repressed British society so nobody's nobody's speaking loudly everything is is rasp because he's his health is failing and I was able to hear every line of his dialogue perfectly. And I would love to know some of the movies that come to your mind. When you hear them, you go, oh, they did the dialogue so well in this movie. I, it they just makes you smile. I think, oh, my gosh. Okay, can I cheat and also throw in a few TV shows? Oh, absolutely. As well? No categories okay, because... are off limits. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I think the first movie that comes to mind in terms of movies that I've seen recently, and when it comes to, you know, a dialogue edit, the thing that kind of always catches me and, and makes me really appreciate the quality of it is when you can, it, when it feels like the dialogue so settles into the space around it, it settles into the ambiences. It doesn't feel like it's fighting with its surroundings you know it, it 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 just lays in so so beautifully and they don't feel like they have to wrestle it into place you know and it doesn't feel like it's clashing with the elements around it and honestly i think the movie that kind of in the last you know year that i think struck me the most in terms of of that was the banshees of inisharan i uh, thought that yeah. the, the the edit on that was just phenomenal. And I, I, I understand those Irish accents, if your ear is not used to it, can sometimes be very difficult to discern. But, you know, the, the ADR was absolutely seamless. You know, you can't even tell where it is, you know. Right. And there's so many gentle moments where, you know, that's kind of like a, my view as a dialogue editor is my whole job is to preserve the actor's performances. They put in so much effort and so much artistry into what they do on set in front of the camera. And it is my job to preserve that and deliver it to the audiences in its best form. And they did such a phenomenal job on Banshees. Yes. Um, and, and with those accents, it's all that more, much more important. Yeah. Um, and I think in terms of an all-timer, I got to go with uh, The Wolf of Wall Street, actually. The Wolf of Wall Street has a phenomenal dialogue at it. It's Everything is so crisp and so clear. Um, and again, just settles in really beautifully to its uh, the, how many shifting surroundings, you know, with how breakneck of a pace, you know, that, that film is. The dialogue was just settled in beautifully. Um, throw in two tv shows just balance it out first one being uh barry on hbo oh, yeah i i think that has one of the best sound edits on tv um i'm a little biased i got to work on a single episode which was like 
a career highlight, especially because it's like my mom's favorite show. And that was like emotional to be like, you get to see your kid's name in the credits. Um, <laughs> but the but being able to be on the inside of that show made me appreciate it even more because like getting to look at the ADR list and seeing where the cues are and then listening back to it and being like, I can't even hear the spots where they are. It is so seamless and all the dialogue, super crisp, super, super clear, super smooth, super clean, super natural sounding. Um, and then last one, which is actually, I, I've, I've literally gotten obsessed with the show within the last week, but the dialogue edit on The Bear. Oh, yeah, yeah. I cannot express how difficult it is to handle overlapping dialogue as a dialogue editor and, and an ADR, um, especially when you are cutting between two different takes and everyone's talking over one another. And it just, the, right. I, I bow down to whoever handles the dialogue and ADR <laughs> on that show because I, I know how much of a task it is. And it just come is so seamless. Absolutely incredible. I know how much work goes into that and they deserve all the credit. And, and the Foley artists and the you know ambient sound all, that, that make that sound, that show so engaging. Ah, it's incredible. Oh, it pulls you right in. It's insane. So just looking at overall sound editing as well, kind of a top three. And this doesn't have to be movies Ooh. or TV, just wherever you want. Do you have a top three in no particular order? So I'm not going to make you rank them unless you really want to. Your top three okay, in terms of sound editing. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I think... Number one, oh, okay. Thank you for <laughs> making me not rank them because it's yes, difficult. Yes. But I would never. These I, guys would, but I won't. <laughs> thank you for being kind. Thank you for sparing me. Um, <laughs> um, I would definitely say top three. I have to start off with Wally. Oh, um, Wally ooh. is an absolute feat of sound design because when you think about it, the first 45 minutes of that film don't really have any dialogue to it. Yet you have to establish this entire world, these characters of Wally and Eve that are so disparate and so so different from one another. You know, how do right. you convey that without any dialogue? And it is done. I mean, you have the master, the goat Ben Burt on it, you know. He and he spent 3 years on it and it shows. And, you know, I I know a lot of people get very um can get very mad about um like certain Oscar wins, especially when it comes like acting categories or like, or best picture categories being, I, the, the, the biggest robbery in my opinion was the fact that Wally did not win for best sound editing. And I stand by that. I All stand right. by that. It deserved yes. to win. Um, uh, number, no, we're not ranking. Next one <laughs> is, <laughs> it has to be, I, I mean, I, I couldn't even call myself really a sound person if i didn't list star wars in here i mean yeah. star wars is the reason that i wanted to go into sound it so changed the way that film sound was done and completely changed the game um as to what you could do and um you know like i can't think of any other sounds that are so iconic kind of in the whole canon of film that you can like you can isolate the sound of a lightsaber and you know exactly what it is. You know, mm -hmm. you can isolate the sound of a TIE fighter going by. You know exactly what that is. You know, that level of iconic in terms of, like, sound is, it's it's in a league of its own, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the last one. I think, I think I got to go with Jurassic Park. 
That one's, right. you know, yeah. that's Gary Rydstrom, who's also one of the kind of one of the greats. Um, and I, I love hearing about the the type of work he did on it because he's like, I tried to go really scientific with it. I talked to a lot of <laughs> scientists, archaeologists being like, what do you think dinosaurs sounded like? And they were all like, we don't know. And so he really had to start from nothing, you know, and really build from the ground up and he's very much kind of of that kind of Ben Burt school of thought of just go and record very good sounds, you know, start with some good sounds, see how you can put them together to make something new. And he, Jurassic Park is such an exercise in that, in the, the different textures of all of the different dinosaurs, they all sound so unique from one another. And I always tell, I, I always get people that ask me like, Hey, I just got a new sound setup. I got a new 5.1 surround sound system. What should I listen to? And Jurassic park is always the first one I, I tell them <laughs> to go for, especially the scene where the T-Rex escapes the oh, enclosure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Oh my gosh. That on like a really good sound system. Never gets old, never gets old. And what's I'll say, what's really cool about Jurassic park is this is my music nerd coming out, seeing it in concert with the symphony. <laughs> Here we go. Oh. But uh, don't hear we go, me go over. That's it's it's phenomenal to hear a score this, play this live. Happens be, this happens to be your target demo, so I'm going to let it slide. But <laughs> we have heard uh, it's 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 tiresome. Okay, it's new to you, Austin. I'm here for it. Oh, I'm yeah. here for it. I just saw I just saw Black Panther in concert two weeks ago, and it was incredible oh. to hear. And they actually had the original Tama player with the Nashville Symphony performing with it. Oh, that's oh, great. So you can gosh. only imagine hearing the African drum like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That must have been life-changing. It was. Go over, For keep real. shaking your head, yeah. but it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I once when saw you go, my... When you go see not... The Room with the symphony, then we can... <laughs> <laughs> I would be so down for that. I would be so down for that. I would buy that ticket. <laughs> okay, before we go, uh, we have to ask this because it has become such a phenomenon, and it used to be just your elderly grandparents using closed captions because the hearing was gone. But now the data mm -hmm. and everything is telling us that it's, you know, the people using closed captions the most are 18 to 24-year-olds who, unless they're going to concerts every night, their hearing is fine. They're watching everything with closed captions. As a dialogue editor, how do you feel about somebody flashing the words up that you've worked so hard to craft perfectly? I actually have really no problem with people using subtitles. Um, I honestly, I use subtitles in my off time whenever I'm because it helps me disengage that part of my brain where that's going to pick apart the dialogue at it. So I can almost more, more actively like enjoy what I'm listening to instead of kind of engaging with that analytical part of my brain. Um, I sincerely have no problem with it because it's something that increases accessibility. It is something um, both for people who have are hard of hearing, who are deaf, you know, or, or just, you know, if it's, some people have auditory processing, you know, issues, you know, as long as it's something that makes the the world of the story that we're telling accessible to them, I have no problem with it whatsoever, you know. Um, so I and I, I feel like I've <laughs> said earlier, I feel like I've inadvertently become like the subtitles person. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. But, you know, it's I, I've, I've gone over it. 
a few times and I'm always, you know, glad to in the way of the, you know, that kind of phenomenon of like, well, I can't hear anything. The dialogue is so low, you know, why can't I, everything else is so loud, you know, like, especially when I'm watching at home, like what is, and it is such a, a layered issue. There's no one core problem that it's like, if we just fix this, it would fix the entire phenomenon. You know, it's, it's a very difficult kind of layered complex thing to kind of unravel. Well, we really appreciate hanging out with Austin Olivia Kendrick. If you haven't started following her yet, uh, what are you waiting for? We really enjoy uh, your takes and, and you giving us a peek into your world in, in the movie and TV and animation you know, process. And uh, just keep doing what you're doing and uh, we'll just keep watching. Thank you guys so much. You know, it's it's funny. I never I never anticipated when I started making TikToks talking about film sound. I never anticipated anyone. Um, <clears throat> I never anticipated getting anywhere because most people like don't ever ask. Film sound is such an area that is so invisible to most people. And so the fact that, you know, people have actively engaged with my content and they've i've had people tell me like i listen closer because of you you know that is like the biggest gift and i'm just i'm so grateful to kind of get to share this art form that i love with so many people so thank you for listening <laughs> i appreciate it isn't it amazing how we nerd out in our own little silos and then the, when mm -hmm. we put it out we find these other nerds that are out there that are you know didn't didn't know they were interested in it, didn't know they were passionate about it, but they somehow were, or they did know, and they finally get a voice. And you have given the world, the, the movie fan, that gift. And it's just because it's so entertaining. Thank you. you. The knowledge you share and impart on us is just tremendous. So I can't thank you. I've learned a tremendous amount, and I've watched movies for 40 years. So, so I, I'm, I'm all on board. <laughs> thank you so much. That means, that means the world to me. Thank you. They didn't have dialogue when I started watching movies, so I appreciate you even more. Here we go. <laughs> so her TikTok, y'all, is aok.wave. So that's how you find her. We can't we can't say follower and not give her handle. Absolutely. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Austin, thank you so much again, and uh, an early congratulations on your upcoming wedding, and thank may you, you have a lifetime of joy and happiness. And editing my my future husband's dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett.